How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, how's it going, sir? Cold. How cold? Uh, like negative 30 cold, plus wind chill. Yeesh. Not yeah, good, man. Yeah, but at least it's not colder than Mars here. That's true, Tim. That is true, buddy. Yeah, and then I'd also be living in Boston. Sorry, not Boston, uh, Chicago. Or Buffalo. Or Buffalo. I know. Who wants to live in Buffalo? Well, I guess the people of Buffalo. But otherwise... No, that's just really, really southern Ontario. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you could also classify Detroit as that, too. Do people even live in Detroit anymore? Yeah, apparently a lot of younger people are moving back into Detroit now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't real. I thought the economy there was still kind of in the shitter. It kind of is, but, you know, uh, the young people are sort of moving in and it's becoming more vibrant downtown, so hopefully it can turn the corner for Detroit. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Let's get right into the episode, Tim. This is episode 45, season 2, episode 17, the... Alexander Picard episode. So, do you have any memories of Alexander Picard, Tim? I remember him being there, but not much else. Yeah, that's sort of my memory of it, too. I was just like, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, I vaguely remember he was there. Yeah, he's just one of those guys that you kind of wonder where he came from, wonder where he went, and that's about it. Yeah. It's almost like I'm wondering whether we should have named Denny Hamel the episode's cover athlete for this week. It's the same guy. It's the same story, honestly. Well, not really. At least Denny Hamel got fucking rocked by Dion Phaneuf. True. Very true. Yeah. So let's talk about next week's poll, because next week is Season 2, Episode 18, Episode 46. Now, we got two players on the board. We got Patrick Weirkosh and Eric Bergdolfer. Ooh, real heavyweights there. Yeah. If by heavyweights you mean scraping the bottom of the barrel with this one. Well, I mean, that's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. Yeah. God, it's going to get worse from here, isn't it, Tim? Do we just recycle names at this point? No, I think once we hit 100, I think we just start reusing names at that point. Uh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Other than that, Tim, how has your week been, sir? Oh, pretty good. Um, I've decided to exercise my ability to work from home. Okay. So uh, I've only really left the house for times that I kind of had to. Although I did go to a Roughnecks game on Saturday with some friends, and it was pretty fun. Nice. Who were they playing? So uh, they were playing the whatever the current incarnation of Vancouver's National Lacrosse league team is uh i think it's the vancouver warriors this time around it was a pretty good game and uh, calgary ended up winning it so always good to see a game like that awesome there was one guy on the vancouver team i think he on their defensive line that i doubt very much that he was taller than five feet really yeah and uh, the guy was being a prick the whole time well he was an agitator then yeah, so uh, it's pretty apt that uh, my buddies Chelsea and I got the idea in our heads that he's just an angry short guy. I feel like all the angry short guy stereotypes. So we, we started taunting him from the stance. It's definitely a dick move, and I wouldn't do that to a real person, but... Yeah, but they're, but you're, that, though they're athletes, you know, it just totally, it slides off them. It's like, Hugh, I mean... Hugh Daryl Strawberry's one tier. Daryl Strawberry's one tier. I mean, we shouldn't do it, but we did. Yeah. So, Tim, given that yesterday was Super Bowl weekend, 
How did you enjoy the game last night? It was really boring. That fourth quarter kind of made up for some of it, but man, I should have been doing. I could have been doing other stuff, but I was just holding out, holding out hope that the game would get interesting or the ads would get interesting. And honestly, neither really did. No, I mean, granted, we didn't get a lot of the American ads up here, so. Oh, I watched on an American stream. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. game wasn't really all that entertaining. I mean, <clears throat> that first half, I was watching it thinking like, huh. You know, for two teams who are very strongly offensive-minded, this game's a very defensive battle. Yeah, but I think part of it is uh, the Patriots went in there sh looking to shut down the, the Rams' offense. The Rams' quarterback couldn't do shit. Yeah, Jared Goff. I remember watching him in his rookie year thinking... Fuck, this guy can't hit the broadside of a barn with some of those passes he was making. Yeah, it's some miracle he made it to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what happens when you got a strong defensive line and Todd Gurley as running back. Yeah, no kid. And then all of a sudden that Bill Belichick just sends six guys running over the line and doesn't matter how strong they are, if they're just blitzing you every time. Yep, there's and a reason why he's got six rings today, Tim. Yep. So I'm gonna, talk, sorry, Tim, I'm gonna talk a little bit about my week because, you know, it was all right. It was Spirit Week, so it's been a pretty busy week at work. Uh, I had to do a couple of overtime shifts. Uh, Super Bowl weekend, I got a chance to be actually I got invited to a Super Bowl party. That was all right. I was the only one watching the game. Makes sense. Yeah, and actually, you know how you're always, you may every now and then give a recommendation for anime. I actually watched a really good documentary on Bryant Big Country Reeves, the former Vancouver Grizzly Center. Yeah. Yeah, because after his playing career, Bryant Reeves just vanished. Like, nobody heard from him again. Get Him getting an interview was so difficult. He was such a recluse. And this filmmaker from Vancouver, actually, she went around calling ex-players, ex-coaches, trying to find him, and she ended up finding him. Huh. Kind of sounds like when they did that podcast searching for Richard Simmons and at the end they found him but didn't get an interview because Richard Simmons told him to fuck off. I disappeared for a reason. Yeah. Is this going to happen when we do our episode on finding Alexander Dick? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that's if he actually responds to any of our messages. <laughs> so yeah, if anybody's interested in checking that documentary out, it's called Finding Big Country and you can find it on YouTube. All right. Yeah. So now that we've got that out of the way, Tim, let's talk about last week's episode because, man, I was fired up in that episode talking about Brady Kachuk. It's because it's always good to talk about Brady Kachuk. I know. He didn't even score at all that this past week. Yeah, but he played good. He did. Yeah, he played good overall. Both of our energies seemed pretty good uh, overall the episode. I thought it turned out pretty well, given that yeah. the week previous it was just like, yeah, I mean, it's an episode, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, it was kind of weird doing just one game, though, hey? It is. But the fact that we improvised and we talked about the trade rumors between Duchesne, Stone, and Dezingle, I think that really helped it out at the end. Yeah, I think I think that's also the case. Mm -hmm. And I, think, I like the fact that, because you stated that at the end of the episode, you were just like, you know, because we have such tunnel vision when we do the episodes that we don't really go off the beaten track talking about stuff. So that mm -hmm. was kind of a nice change for us. Yeah, yeah. Got to keep it interesting. Absolutely, Tim. So, Tim, you know how we're going to make this episode interesting? Making a nice little segue? Into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Okay, let's get right into Top of the Hour, and we got to give a couple of shout-outs. First of all, let's give a quick shout out to for Ottawa Senator Chris Phillips, along with the 1968 and 1969 Ottawa Rough Rider CFL teams, after they were inducted into the Ottawa Sports Hall of Fame. Phillips, drafted first overall in 1996 by Ottawa, played 17 seasons with the Senators, recording 71 goals, 217 assists for 268 points in 1,179 games. I'm honestly a little surprised it didn't happen sooner, but it's definitely... Definitely awesome for Big Rig. He's uh, really become just a, 
a community favorite, and I'm glad that he's sticking around Ottawa, especially with big rig and stuff. Mm-hmm. I know. Now, next time when you go to Ottawa, are you going to be checking out the big rig brewery, like Pan suggested? Uh, I'd love to, but it's just in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, you go out to Gloucester or out to Canada. And I'm in downtown most of the time, so it's honestly a pain. Ah, okay. We also got to give another shout-out to Oilers head coach Ken Hitchcock after he was named a Distinguished Honoree of the Order of Hockey in Canada for 2019. Hitchcock, along with Jaina Hefford and George Kingston, will join an exclusive list of honorees, including Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Steve Iserman. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It's a shame that he can't save those Oilers, though. Yeah, well, you know, I guess when you only got McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins, and nobody else. But that also means no goalie, no defense, Milan Lucic. Chris Russell. Chris Russell. Yeah. There's some pretty damn holes. Oh, a lot of holes there, buddy. Jesus. And for our third shout-out, let's give a quick shout-out to the city of Winnipeg. Now, this is unfortunate because the WHL's Kootenai Ice have announced that they will be relocating to the city of Winnipeg for the 2019-2020 season. This will be the fifth time the WHL will have a team in Winnipeg, and the first time since 1984. Well, it might stick this time, uh, because I think Winnipeg's at least a little better off as far as the economy is concerned than it was in the past. Mm -hmm, Because I know that I saw a tweet on Twitter from the Winnipeg Jets play-by-play man who said... Back when he was a kid, you know, the Jets were on shaky ground. Downtown had buildings boarded up and no WHL team. And now his kids get to experience a vibrant downtown, a really good hockey team, and now the WHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's a completely different story. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tim, the term a clock is righted twice a day has been thrown out, been thrown out quite a bit lately. But this one... This is absolutely one of those times. The government of Canada officially passed a motion calling for the induction of Paul Henderson into the Hockey Hall of Fame in recognition of his incredible contribution to Canadian hockey and its history on Henderson's 76th birthday. Henderson, who played 14 seasons in the NHL, scoring 236 goals, 241 assists for 477 points in 707 games with Detroit, Toronto, and the Atlanta Flames, and also played five seasons in the WHA with the Toronto Toros and the Birmingham Bulls, scoring 140 goals, 143 sets for 283 points in 360 games. Henderson's lack of induction into the Hall has been the subject of debate for a number of years. I'm never a big fan of these things because it's... I don't get why the government gives a shit. And this reminds me a lot of uh, back... We're still pretty young when this happened, but back in uh, 99, the U.S. Congress passed an act to have Shoeless Joe inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame. Yeah, because he was was banned from the Hall of Fame because of gambling. Yeah, because he was part of scheme to rig the 1919 World Series and had been banned from baseball ever since. And it just, it smacks of a government with, doesn't have a ton of things to do. But the thing thing is, Tim, is that Paul Henderson, his contribution in the 72 Summit series, like this is, that was a series that 100% solidified Canada as a hockey nation. And I know that you could probably go back to the 1920s when the Winnipeg Falcons won the first gold medal of hockey. But, you know, there's only a handful of moments in international hockey for Canada that fans 100% can name off heart. There's that. Mario in 87, Sackick in 2002, and, to a lesser extent, Jordan Eberle in the 2009 World Junior Championships. Or Crosby with the Olympics on Yeah, and ice. Crosby in the 2010 Olympics, Tim. But at the same time, it's other than 1972, his career was rather unremarkable. Because we're talking about an era where goal, goalies could have a .89 and have a Vesna, and he's not, e- he's not even close to a point per game. That's Pretty lackluster, all things considered. And that Summit Series is already massively represented in the Hockey Hall of Fame, so I don't really see why we're going to include a guy who, other than that series, didn't do a hell of a lot. 
Well, I'm still on the board of, you know, that's good on that he's finally going to the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I don't really see why the government should have a say in something that's basically a, van a vanity toy for the NHL. Okay. Let's go on to the American Hockey League Hall of Fame because their Hall of Fame class of 2019 was announced and the most notable person going in is CBC broadcaster and former Boston Bruins coach Don Cherry. Cherry played six... 767 games in the American Hockey League with the Hershey Bears, Springfield Indians, and Rochester Americans before moving to become the head coach of the Rochester Americans, where he would win AHL Coach of the Year in 1974. This makes a lot of sense because Don Cherry did have a very prolific career in the AHL. True. So I'm, I'm not surprised by this inclusion. No, but and he also I had a pretty prolific coaching career in the NHL too, Tim. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, like both his, like, I'm not surprised by this induction. Because, like, his a, his merits in the AHL, relative to the AHL, are definitely there. It's hard to argue that it's not an AHL Hall of Fame career. Mm -hmm. But you know what? You'll even have those people that would argue for Don Cherry's inclusion into the Hockey Hall of Fame for the NHL because you look at everything and look, regardless of what you think of Don Cherry as a broadcaster or his views or his stances on European players, like really Don Cherry, like he's done so much for hockey. Like he was always an advocate for Canadian hockey players. He was always an advocate of player safety. I mean, you know, even though he did say one time that only Europeans and French guys were advisors, but you know, he's just one of those guys that I think even and even Bobby Orr said in his book, he still feels that Don Cherry should go into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I think it's hard though because like when you're looking at uh, considering the categories that they indict, sorry, indict, induct people in, there's a lot of coaches that are further a lot of coaches and constructors, which is where Don Cherry would go as far as being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame that I think are further ahead in line. Mm -hmm. But you can, you can also make an argument that he could go in as a broadcaster, kind of like, and I want to say, I think Foster Hewitt, I think Foster Hewitt went in as well. I'm just going to quickly check that. Well, so well, I don't he, think Cherry's on the same level as like Foster Hewitt. No, Foster, well, Foster I, Hewitt obviously was the play-by-play -play guy for Hockey Night in Canada, but Don Cherry's presence on TV and everything he's done outside of his broadcasting career, you'd look at it and be like, okay, he's had a pretty noted career, all things considered. Yeah, but, like, the guys that they've included for broadcasters are, they're generally pioneers of the craft. So, like, I don't... Uh, sorry, Tim, I'm just having a look here on Wikipedia. Apparently, I don't think Foster Hewitt's in the Hockey Hall of Fame right now. Yeah, so Foster Hewitt's not there. I don't think Don, Don Cherry doesn't get in before no, Foster No, no, sorry, he got in as a builder in 1965. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really see Don Cherry in the same light, to be honest. Like, we're comparing, like, a pioneer of broadcasting to, like, a controversial face of CBC. Well, you know, I mean, I agree, but, you know, you will always have those people that would argue Don Cherry's mm -hmm. inclusion. But, you know, I think we've said enough, and I think we should go into the next story, because this is something that... And I was talking about Cherry, talking about junior hockey and Canadian players. This is something that I think even he would just be like, okay, this is really fucked up. So a video posted on Facebook of a hockey coach berating a young child during a hockey game went viral. Jean-Philippe Boudreau, who's the man in the video, was the team's coach and the child in question was his young son. Boudreau later did issue an apology on his Facebook page. Yeah, that's shitty. And, like, if he's doing it to his own kid, he's probably doing it... Well, I don't know. I, I think that's too too broad of a generalization to say if he's doing it to his own kid, he's doing it to the rest of the team. But if he's doing it on the bench, the rest of the kid's probably feeling pretty crap. Exactly. Like, and, I mean, they're kids, man. You can't just expect them to, you know, back check or play D or whatever it was that he was going on about. Like, they're kids. Let them have fun. And even Don... And I go back to Don Cherry. Cherry said it's because of people like that is why kids end up quitting hockey because, you know, you get the parents expect so much out of them. 
you know, you've got the coaches that make hockey not fun for these kids. And this is why, you know, and these are another one of the examples of why Cherry believes that hockey should be fun for kids. Well, I mean, for sure, like, if kids aren't having fun, then as a youth coach, you failed. And hopefully the league can find a replacement coach for next year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But again, it's hard to find volunteers. It is. And even, well, you can find them, but it's hard finding qualified coaches, though. That's the yeah. big difference. Mm-hmm. And they're not getting paid. So it's like, like, that makes it a doubly hard problem, right? Yeah, exactly, man. Unless you want to get a parent that wants to devote their time to coaching hockey. And there are parents out there that will do that. But, you know, nowadays, like, hockey is so expensive and a lot of people can't afford to have their kids in hockey. It's getting tough, man. Yeah, well, it's even it's even harder if, like, if you're already on the edge of being able to afford hockey or not, how are you going to be able to give up extra time to do off-ice coaching stuff if you can barely miss work as it is? Exactly. A college hockey game between Texas Tech and SMU made the news following a fight on the ice between two hockey players that turned into a brawl off the ice involving additional players, which included one nasty cheap shot from behind on an unsuspecting player. Now, I did get a chance to watch this video, and it just looked like, you know, your normal scrap on the ice, and the referees jumped in trying to break him apart, and the kids were still throwing punches at each other, and then they escorted them off the ice, and a fight broke out in the hallway, and next thing you know, players were coming off the ice, and I did get a chance to watch that one guy that got hit by behind. That was nasty, like... Wow, I could not believe I just saw that because he was just standing there and the kid, it was almost like he ran at him and cross-checked him from behind. Oh, Jesus, yeah. But it's like, what's interesting is I'm surprised that the when they sent the guys off that they even had an opportunity to fight down the hallway. Mm-hmm, because usually you would have a referee or somebody in between them to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, and then like once that starts happening, all bets are off. So it's like one critical failure by the refs and you just get something insane. Exactly. And like, you can't blame the refs for this either because it's you don't know that something's going to happen and you make you like you feel like you need to be like if they felt like it was a tense situation already, I can see why they would think their resources are better served on the ice. But it's like one breed turns into that and it's hard to find fault with the refs. Yeah, and the fact that that's that it was so out of control by that point that they can't even break that up. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's rough. So, Tim, given that a few weeks ago the NHL All Star Game happened, now one of the great things about the skills competition is that they had U.S. gold medal Olympian Kendall Coyne as involved in the fastest skater competition. And mm-hmm. because of that, NBC Sports hired her following her memorable performance as the first woman to compete in the NHL All-Star Game Skills Competition. Coin will appear on the pregame show and will be between the benches with fellow NBC reporter Pierre Maguire. Poor wow, since tw- fucking Twitter went nuts on this. Well, it's because not even one... Not even one incarnation of uh, NBC hockey went by without Pierre Maguire being fucking Pierre Maguire. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she tweeted about it saying, hey, you know what, like, I'm, you know, I'm really good friends with Pierre Maguire, and I understand that he gets really excited sometimes, and it's just Pierre being Pierre. Yeah, I'm, like, I think people were trying to find a social justice issue that isn't there, because... Sadly, this isn't the worst thing that Pierre Maguire has done. No. Remember the time he touched Tave's titty? Like, there's a lot of things that Pierre that should have gotten Pierre Maguire fired that hasn't. Not least of them being completely unknowledgeable about the sport of hockey. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that stuff like that, the players just sort of laugh it off, like, right? Like when you're saying about Pierre Maguire drumming, or grabbing John T- Tave's titty, he's probably just like, eh, okay. I don't know, but it's still, like, everyone knows Pierre Maguire is a weird dude, and, like, he's the butt end of every joke. I'm surprised they keep him around, especially if he's just gonna be a weirdo on, on air. Maybe he's just one of those guys that's so polarizing that you have to tune in to watch what he does. 
I'm not sure if it's polarizing because I don't think the only person I've met that actually likes Pierre Maguire is one of my friends. And the only reason he liked him is that he once emailed Pierre Maguire to tell him they thought he was dumb. Yeah. A bunch of stuff wrong on TSN. And then he emailed back. He's like, oh, that's my, like, he emailed back, apologized, and then they became pen pals for a bit. Oh, that's awesome. So it's like, that's kind of cool up here, but at the same time, it's like, the only person who kind of likes the guy didn't even like him at the start. Well, I mean, he is a different kind of dude. There's no question about that. Yeah, I think we'd be better off without him. Well, let's go into, yeah. let's go into our next story. Now, you remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about Austin Watson returning to hockey after he had spent some time being suspended yeah 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 and you remember that remember he sent that instagram post out about that he was in recovery and that he was being diagnosed with anxiety and all kinds of other stuff correct yeah well Nashville predators forward austin watson has been placed in stage two of the nhl nhlpa joint substance abuse and behavioral health program for treatment related to his ongoing issues with alcohol abuse Watson will be suspended without pay until he is cleared for on-ice competition by the program administrators. So he relapsed. I don't know about that, man, because I was trying to look into it, and there was no real evidence that proves that he relapsed. But you never know, right? Maybe nothing came out of it. Maybe it was just, okay, you know, you're still going through this, and maybe he did relapse, and we don't know about it. But I didn't read anything about it, Tim, so... I really don't know whether or not he yeah. relapsed. It's odd, though, because it's like he's cleared to play, and then all of a sudden he's not again. And he's moved on to a second stage of the program, and this time he doesn't even get pay while he's doing it. Something's up. Yeah, yeah so I don't def- know. I mean, I don't know what's going on with that. And maybe next week if something comes up, we'll definitely talk about it here on Top of the Hour. Hmm. Yeah. Let's go into our next story. Now, Last week, we were talking about former Tampa Bay Lightning captain Martin St. Louis being hired by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we talked about, oh, you know, this is a really great thing. Well, his former teammate in Tampa Bay, Vincent LeCavalier, also made the news. And it's not because he got hired by a team. Uh-huh. Former Tampa Bay Lightning captain Vincent LeCavalier was injured and hospitalized, as well as two others, after an accident involving three different buses took place. Fox 13 News reported that the buses were on their way to the Capera Parade when the accident occurred. Wait, so he was just on a freak bus crash? Yeah. Yeah, and from what I understand and what I was reading, it seemed like the first bus crashed, then the second rear-ended that, and the third rear-ended that one. So it's like a a car crash out of a cartoon. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, it's like you do the right... You do what you're supposed to be doing, and you still end up in... In a bad situation? That sucks. I know, man. It's really shitty, right? And given that what had happened to the Humboldt Broncos, right? Stories like this will always make the news now. Given that people were injured in a bus crash. Well, I think it's... At the same time, it's like... If you're going downtown for that sort of thing, you should be taking... Like, taking the bus is a really good idea because it allows you to do a lot more. And it means you won't be driving home drunk. So, like... You should be taking the bus in that sort of situation. It's sad that these sort of stories kind of disincentivize using the bus in some people's minds. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I used the city bus for years when we went to school, but, you know, even that, I mean, I can, I don't know if I have an ira- irrational fear of that, but I always had a thing about, you know, what if one day I get into a bus crash? Well, I think everyone kind of has that in the back of their mind, but I think some people are more susceptible to it than than others. True. Yeah, I'm more of a, eh, if it happens, it happens, right? There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Except don't kill the bus driver. Exactly. The Stadium Series jerseys for the 2019 Coors Light NHL Stadium Series on February 23rd between the Philadelphia Flyers and Pittsburgh Penguins at Philadelphia's Lincoln Financial Field was released. I didn't see them. How do they look? Eh, I don't, you know what's funny? I look at those stadium jerseys and I just like, is it possible for them to make one nice jersey that isn't related to the Ottawa Senators and somehow 
Uh, but the Leafs all white one was just a white jersey, so I, yeah, that's actually you know the one that they used in uh, Michigan or was it Michigan or BMO Field where they played the Red Wings. I think it was Michigan. Okay, yeah, it was the um, it was the blue and white one. That one was actually kind of nice. The Detroit Red Wings one from two thousand nine was kind of cool. But I don't know. I mean, I look at those jerseys and I'm just thinking, boy, like how little time did they actually spend on that? And even though I look at the Penguins ones. The Penguins ones are all right. They kind of have like a Pittsburgh Steelers feel to them, you know, which is okay. But I don't know. It just looked kind of uninspired. It's just like all black and yellow. Yeah. That's it. Given that I haven't seen the jerseys, the only thing I could comment is, is did you know that Coors Light is brewed with high fructose corn syrup? No, I did not know that, Tim. Bud Light would like you to know. Really? Yeah, that was one of their long ads for the Super Bowl. Crazy. I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually starting to think that for that story, we should have just talked about Coors Light for five minutes. I don't really have much of an opinion on Coors Light other than it's brewed with high fructose corn syrup. I've tried it. It's not that great. It's, it's glorified water with an alcoholic taste. Yeah, which is kind of impressive. They're using fructose corn syrups for sweetening yeah let's go into our next story tim legendary bruins defenseman ray bork appeared on a recent episode of the spit and chicklets podcast where he shared an incredible story of how he almost ended up a member of the philadelphia flyers before the trade sending him to colorado happened bork stated how his relationship with former bruins goalie reggie lemonin was a big factor in wanting to go to philly as he was the goalie coach at the time so I did get a chance to listen. I didn't listen to the whole episode, but I did get a chance to listen to that segment of the episode. And you know what? That's probably the least interesting thing about that interview. Like, there was a really good story he told about, you know, how, like, when these teams go out for dinner and they always play pranks on each other, like, one guy would go underneath the table and put, like, a dab of sour cream on their shoe and mm -hmm. walk around not even noticing. And... Ray Bork was not for that, and he got he flat out told the guys, "Hey guys, like don't fuck with me, do not do that shit to me. I'm not into it." And they went out for a team dinner, and he looked down and he see a glob of sour cream on his shoe, and he freaked out about it. And Adam Oates was just like, "Hey, don't worry, you know I'll figure out, I'll get to the bottom of it." And it later came back to him that Kyle McLaren, who was a Bruins defenseman at the time, was behind it, so. Ray took his leather jacket and got the chef to cut the sleeves off. Oh, jeez. And gave it back to Kyle. And Kyle's like, what the hell did you do that for? And he goes, I told you guys not to fuck with me. And Kyle's like, well, what are you talking about? I didn't do it. And it later turned out the guy who put the sour cream on Ray's shoe was Adam Oates himself. Oh. <laughs> That's rough. I know. But you know what's funny? And I was listening to that segment... It's kind of unnerving to listen to Ray Bork swear. And I don't know why that is. Maybe because we've heard him in interviews so many times. And it just seems like, oh, okay. He just seems like a real normal, boring guy. But then he swears and he uses some language. And I'm like, whoa, Ray. Hey, what, summer down, buddy. I'm not used to that. I know. It's weird. I use that language. But then it's like someone you wouldn't expect to use. You're like, oh, oh okay. I know. Because, well... That's a thing, Tim. We're not professional athletes. He is. Yeah, and that's exactly 100% it. Mm-hmm. But uh, actually going back to the story about him becoming a Philadelphia Flyer, like, this is not new. Like, this is well known that he wanted to go to the Flyers because at the time, this was, uh, what year did he get traded? Two, 2000? Like, the Flyers were, you know, they had the Legion of Doom line, no, do they? I don't think they... Okay, sorry. I don't think they had the Legion of Doom line there, but they had Lindros and LeClaire and Desjardins, and they had a really solid team there in Philadelphia that were one win away from the Stanley Cup Finals until Eric Lindros got his dome just caved in by Scott Stevens again. Yeah. And so Man. I remember reading that thinking, oh, you know... Well, I already know that. It's on Ray's Wikipedia page if you go and check it out. But the one thing that I really liked about him in this interview that he was talking about when he found out he was going to Colorado and Patrick Waugh phoned him and you know because Ray played for the Bruins Patrick Waugh was a Montreal Canadian for all those years so they had that bit of a rivalry and they're both from Quebec 
And mm-hmm. so that was kind of cool. And I heard that and guys like Dave Reed and Joe Sackick were so excited to know that Ray Bork was coming to Colorado. And he said once he got to Colorado, he was playing a game and he was, I think his first shift on the ice, Forsberg and Sackick were on the ice with him and they were just passing the puck back and forth and they scored. And Ray was just like, I have never seen anything like this. Well, those two, like, Forsberg and Sackick were incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, having them on the same team is pretty nutty, but at the, I guess by the same token, it's like, those three did some pretty incredible things in uh, Colorado, so maybe it's all for the best. Mm-hmm. And Ray Bork's number has been retired by Colorado, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I do want to close out the story by saying that my aunt has this really great quote. She said that the last great thing to ever come out of Montreal was Ray Bork, and he went right to Boston. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll wait till I tell her about Patrice Bergeron, buddy. Oh, dear. Yeah. Now, this story, I gotta say, I laughed when I read this story. Bar Down Sports tweeted a photo of, of the tweet by Bob McKenzie confirming the Taylor Hall for Adam Larson one-for-one trade, which appeared to be signed... By Taylor Hall himself. Taylor Hall has an absurdly good sense of humor. Well, he had to be, man. Like, he played for the Oilers for how many years? Yeah, but it's like, how could a guy like that be locker room cancer? Seems like a great time. I know. And you know what? At least he has a really good sense of humor about it, right? But I guess that that was a signal that things changed for him, right? Because... He, when he was in Edmonton, he was a star player for sure. He was a good player. And I just watch him and thinking, you know, he's good. Not a superstar or anything, but he's a good hockey player. And I don't know what happened to him once he got traded and went to New Jersey. Like, he became a superstar in New Jersey right now. Well, I mean, he was always a very, very good player. Like, I'd probably even say, even in Edmonton, he was, a, like, a superstar player, but... God, those Edmonton teams were shit. They were so shit, you wouldn't even notice. Yeah, I don't know if it was because the games that I ever saw him in Edmonton, I just walked away thinking, you know, he's he's good. Yeah, because, like, he had multiple point-per-game seasons in Edmonton, which is absolutely insane considering this was, like, the 2013-2014 Oilers, the 2015-2016 Oilers, the 2012-2013 Oilers, like, he was playing very, very good hockey. So it's not surprising that when he came to New Jersey, he put up a 93-point season, 36. He's currently over a point per game right now. Mm-hmm. Like and he's doing that without a... Well, I guess Nico Herscher is his number one center right now, though, in New Jersey. Hmm. Yeah, know. that's... A, I caught myself there. I was like, I don't think Jersey has a number one center. There he is. Oh, that's right. Nico Herscher is there right now. But I don't think he's quite there yet like just in terms of overall quality player like he'll grow into it for sure Mm -hmm. yeah especially in new jersey because jersey always they always had that emphasis on defense right and it's so weird over the last several years seeing them going to a more offensive style of hockey given all the success they had on defense well i don't think you can really play a defensive style in the modern nhl no, I mean, well, you could, really you could, but yeah, like Guy Boucher, it would only last maybe a year, and the players would just be like, okay, whatever. Yeah, but that Jersey team needs, well, they need their goaltenders to figure shit out. That's true, man. It's really sad to see how far Corey Schneider has fallen. Yeah, no kidding. And I guess Travis, Travis Zajac needs to not be shit. Yep. But so, that's never happening. No. So, Tim, it's kind of... Uh, this is kind of a funny story because this is the very first time that Snoop Dogg has been mentioned on the Third Line Plug Sensecast. How? Hip-hop legend Snoop Dogg has become embroiled in a legal battle with the Toronto Maple Leafs over the use of branding material that the team feels violates its recognized trademark. This comes after the logo of Snoop Dogg's own line of cannabis, which, seen, which is seen by the Toronto Maple Leafs as bearing a close resemblance to the team's logo so what they're saying is their logo looks like a pot leaf yes 
Okay. I think that'd be a suit that I'd just let go. I know, because, you know, we've seen in the past that Snoop Dogg has given a lot of love to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Or just the NHL in general. Mm-hmm. Well, did you ever see that photo of him in a Leafs jersey from, uh, was it the Arsenio Hall show from, like, 20-some years ago? No, I... Dude wears a lot of NHL jerseys. Like, uh, in Gin and Juice, he had the the old uh, Penguins jersey. He's been doing the rounds of, with L.A. jerseys lately. Yeah, uh, and he's also got the uh, Spokane Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, like, dude's big into hockey, so I'm honestly not surprised. Yeah, like... and he also commented a game for the L.A. Kings a couple weeks ago. Yep. And he's like, Senator's note, who's that guy? I like him. Uh, that's Dion Fano. Dion. I know. Remember the time that he was hanging out with Ray Emery when we went to the finals? Yeah. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Rest in peace, Ray. Yeah. Well, let's go into some trades, and we're going to talk about the biggest trade of the week, which involves the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Los Angeles Kings have traded defenseman Jake Muzzin to the Toronto Maple Leafs for forward Carl Grundstrom, the rights to Sean Dursey, and a 2019 first-round pick. Muzzin recorded four goals, 17 assists for 21 points in 50 games for the LA Kings, while Grundstrom recorded 13 goals, 16 assists for 29 points in 42 games for the AHL's Toronto Marlies. Yeah. It's pretty obvious who won this trade. And it's honestly impressive that Leafs managed to get Muzzin for so little, considering he's not a rental. No. But the thing is, and I was saying this to somebody I work with, I said, you watch this coming summer, because this could be another move that comes back to bite Tron in the ass, given that they're going to be in serious cap hell when it t- comes time to pay Marner and Matthews, unless they're going to trade either Marner... Well, they're not going to trade Matthews, let's be honest. So probably they'll trade Marner out of town, or Nylander. I don't know. It's interesting, because... Let's just quickly check Toronto's cap, because maybe they'll be able to get out from under it by shipping out uh, Marlowe. Ooh, maybe, because I think they have that golden parachute in his contract that I think after, like, a third year or something, they have, like, a buyout issue or something. I I don't know the actual details, but there's something that they could get themselves out of that contract after, like, three seasons, I believe? Two, three seasons? Yeah, because right now they have $4 million of extra space. But but even then, if they they shed Marlowe... But the hard thing is he's 35-plus with what looks like a full NMC, so they can't send him to Robita Island. No. That's off the table. Matthews, Lindholm, Marner, Kapanen, and anyone else important? Not really. Oh, Jake Garden. So, Matthews and Marner are RFA. Jake Gardner is UFA. That's another big one, because Jake Gardner is going to get paid. And you know um, that some Leaf fans want him shipped out of town, given his, some of his performances he's had this past season and his performance in the seventh game of last year's first round. So it's like, uh, you know, and Leaf fans are just like, oh, you know, do we really have to pay him? You know, look at all the things he's done for this team that came back to bite us in the ass. You know, you know how irrational Leaf fans are sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Ron Hainsey's probably off the books. So that gives you $13 million for some pretty big players. I don't really... You're right, like, there is going to be some... But Jake Muzzin at $4 million for the next two years is excellent value. Mm-hmm, especially when he's a second-line or second-deep-pairing sh- left shot, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Muzzin can easily play first line. Yeah, but that's where Morgan Riley is on right now. Well, they're... They've been playing uh, Riley with Muzzin. Oh, have they? Yeah. Well, it's the hard thing is finding right shot defensemen, honestly. Yeah, good ones too. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, and then Garrett Sparks is RFA as well. I'm not. That's probably not too much, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Leafs are able to do. But 10 million to Nylander in the first year really did hurt. Yeah, that. Yeah, that hurts Toronto, especially that he hasn't been as productive as the Leafs would hope. But I think his cap hit goes down to six mil. Does his cap hit? I think his cap hit drops next season. Okay. Yeah, so I think his cap hit drops to six. So that puts him at eight million. 
if they can get rid of uh, Marlowe, that gets them to 14. No Hainsey gets them to 17 million. You might be able to work with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, man. Now, it all depends on how much money they want to pay Marner and Matthews per season, right? Because they can make them their contracts where a lot of it is bonus incentive, much like with the NFL contracts. If you look at the NFL contracts, the salary is usually a certain number and all the rest of the money is in bonuses. But those bonuses still get factored into the cap hit. Oh, do they? Yeah. That's why Tavares is a cap hit of 11 million, right? Right, right, right. Okay. Because his actual salary, it starts out, it's like 15 million, 15 million, then falls right off after that. And it's mostly just signing bonus. Yeah, fair enough. His actual salary is quite low. Ah, okay. And that's how you get to a cap hit of 11 million. Hmm. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Leafs do. Actually, are there any interesting flaws? Yeah. I don't know. Marlowe will be interesting to see if they can get out from underneath them because one year, no move contract on a 35 plus. Well, yeah, that's tough. Then we'll take it. Okay. The floor. True. Let's move on to the other big trade of the week. The Pittsburgh Penguins have traded Derek Broussard, Riley Shannon, a second round pick in 2019, and two fourth rounders to the Florida Panthers for Nick Bjorkstad and Jared McCann. Broussard and Shannon recorded nine goals, six assists for 15 points in 40 games, and seven goals, two assists for nine points in 49 games respectively, while Bjorkstad and McCann recorded five goals, seven assists for 12 points in 32 games, and eight goals, 10 assists, and 18 points in 46 games respectively. It's amazing just how, like, how bad Brassard has been in Pittsburgh. True, but, I mean, he wasn't that amazing in Ottawa either when he was with us. He was, I'd argue he's pretty good in his time in Ottawa. Like, I think, like, the, like he really didn't fit in in Pittsburgh, but, like, he actually did play relatively well in Ottawa. Yeah, but when you compare him to what Mika Zibanejad has been able to do with the Rangers, right? And that's what he'll always be compared to for this time in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Although, I think at least, it's funny because it still took Mika Zibanejad a few more years to be better than Broussard. So, like, I can get, I can get the trade. I still don't get why we had to put a second in there. That was dumb. Yeah. No. But we're able to turn that into Gustav's, we're able to turn that into Gustavson Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Bernard Docker, so I don't know. I don't think it's the worst trick. I think people are making that trade to look a lot worse than it is. And I guess the other question is would Zibanejad ever actually emerge in Ottawa? It's tough. It's tough because I watched him during his time in Ottawa, and you could definitely tell the talent was there, but it almost seemed like there was a barrier there or even a ceiling of where he was going to go. And it almost seemed like he was hitting that ceiling, but couldn't break through. And maybe when he went to the Rangers, they put him on the top line. They start making him the main centerman in New York. And that's when he broke through the barrier. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just having Alain Bignot as a coach helped a lot too. True. Given that, and it's funny because given that Alain Vigneault is such a defensive minded coach, you would not think that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's a lot of counterfactuals, and, like, honestly, it's hard to say Zibanejad would have performed as he has in New York under Guy Boucher in Ottawa. True. So, like, I still don't mind—I don't mind the Broussard, like, trading for Broussard and then getting Gustafson, Bernard Docker, and we got something else out of that, too. Like, getting Gustafson and a first for Broussard— Mm-hmm is honestly, like, turning Zibanejad and a second into an elite goaltending prospect who will probably be a very, very good goaltender for years to come. Maybe even an elite goaltender and a very, very good defenseman, potentially. Yeah. Is nothing to sniff at. No, absolutely not. So let's keep moving on here, and we're just going to quickly go through these next couple of stories. Minnesota Wild have re-signed goalie Alex Stalock to a three-year contract worth $2.355 million one-way contract with an AAV $785,000. Stalock recorded a 6-5 and five record with a .894 save percentage. 
Not a bad signing, although I'm surprised that Minnesota isn't looking for a better backup. Yeah, or they may want to use him as their starting goalie in the minors. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. The Carolina Hurricanes have signed forward Jordan Martinuk to a two-year, $4 million contract with the AAV, $2 million. Martinuk recorded 10 goals, 3 assists, or 13 points in 50 games for the Carolina Hurricanes. The Canes are usually good at handing out contracts, so I think this is a rare miss for them. $2 million for a fourth-liner is too much. Yeah. Yeah, but at least, you know, they didn't give him a long-term contract. They gave him a two-year so even yeah. if they have to buy him out, they're only paying him for maybe a year. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's definitely better than some of the contracts the Senators felt hand out. Yeah, that's true. That is true. The Edmonton Oilers have re-signed defenseman Joel Pearson to a one-year, $1 million contract. Pearson recorded four goals, 19 assists for 23 points in 36 games for the Vaxjo Lakers Hockey Club. What the hell is the signing? I have no idea. This I would say this is almost like a Shirelli signing, but Shirelli's not even there anymore. This is why I was... Like, as much as people are celebrating Shirelli being gone, I was like, Keith Gretzky is just as bad, if not worse. Yeah. And here we are. That's true. I mean, here we thought the worst thing that could ever happen to a Gretzky was Wayne becoming head coach of the Coyotes. Yeah, maybe it's just time to let that Gretzky ship sail off into the sunset. Yeah. Well, Tim, let's close off top of the yard with a Ottawa Senators-related story. Former Ottawa Senator Antoine Vermette announced his retirement after 14 seasons. Vermette drafted 55th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2000, recorded 228 goals, 287 assists for 515 points in 1,046 games with Ottawa, Columbus, Phoenix, Chicago, and Anaheim while winning a Stanley Cup in 2015 with the Chicago Blackhawks. Vermette's always one of those players that I always liked watching when he played as the Senators and kind of followed him as he uh, moved around the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vermette, to me, and I said this to you on Facebook, I said he reminded me a lot of Martin Havlat because the guy had speed to burn and some of the moves he could do was just like, wow. Yeah. And yeah, when he was, I think some of his his best years were probably in Ottawa. And yeah, we I definitely would even got to... argue uh, Columbus because Columbus, I think he had a sixty point season there one year. That's true. I still can't believe we traded him for Pascal. I know. Although we we did get Robin Leonard with the draft pick we got with Leclerc, but still, I know. I'm not going to lie, man. I would be so happy if Leonard ends up winning the Masters Award this year. Honestly, yeah. Like, the man deserves it. Absolutely. Especially with all the crap that he went through the last couple of seasons. It would be great to see him finally... To see him finally overcome it and become the quality NHL goalie that we thought we were going to get. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely cheering for the guy. Absolutely. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour for this week. And with that being said, it's time to head on into the games. Now, we've got two games to talk about. We've got the Sens versus the Penguins and the Red Wings versus the Sens. But before we do that, let's hit the music. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Penguins. This is a 5-3 Penguins victory. Sens goals were scored by Bobby Ryan, Miguel Bodker, and Matt Duchesne. Penguins goals were scored by Jake Gunzel with two, Brian Russ with two, and Theodore Bluger with his first NHL goal. Shots were 40-40 even for both teams. Theodore Bluger scores his first NHL goal to make it 1-0 Penguins. Jake Gunzel scores to make it 2-0 Pens. Brian Russ scores to make it 3-0 Pens. Bobby Ryan scores on the power play to make it 3-1 after Matt Duchesne keeps the puck into the zone. Brian Russ gets his second of the night to make it 4-1 Penguins. Miguel Bacher scores on the park play to make it 4-2. Matt Duchesne with a beauty play splits the D and snipes at 5-hole to make it 4-3. And Gunzel with the backbreaker scores to make it 5-3, which would be the final. So, as you can tell, Tim, I had to condense watch it. And I actually got a bit of a story that I never mentioned it during the beginning of this episode. So, I kind of fucked up my phone at work. Uh-huh. And it wasn't so much like the phone wasn't working, but the charger port 
my plugin wouldn't go in. I'm thinking, what the fuck? It's not going in. So, and I was looking up on YouTube, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, that looks like a very simple fix. I just need to unscrew that, this, 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 and pull that part out and put the new one in, put it, screw it back in. I spent two hours trying to find or try and fix my phone, and I eventually just said, fuck it. And I went to bed at like one in the morning after working on it for several hours, and I missed watching this game. Okay, so it would be like that time during the playoffs two years ago where I was building IKEA furniture. I looked at the score, score four nothing. Okay, fuck it, I'll keep building the furniture. Yeah, I didn't even get a chance to even look at the score. I was like, fuck, this is bullshit. I wanted to watch this game tonight because I got the episode this week, but I didn't. I condensed, watched it, and I actually got a new phone. And it's actually great because I got a new plan with my phone, so I've got three gigs of data. And I got a $100 gift card from Walmart. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, so everything's coming up Millhouse. Nice. Yeah. This is an interesting game where it was just kind of fits and spurts for both teams. Mm-hmm. I think the, the Penguins played the overall better game. But it was, like, Ottawa's offense played well enough. Although... Uh, the Crosby line was giving the Duchesne line fits all night. Yeah, because there was that one play, and I think it was on the Gunzel. It was on the Gunzel goal, or Duchesne literally was riding Crosby as he was, like, moving the puck, and he passed it right through the slot. Yeah. Ugh. So let's talk about Anders Nielsen, because he had 35 saves at .875 save percentage. To me, from what I saw, this is not entirely on him, as the D did not cover the shooter on three of those goals. And two of those goals squeaked in. Yeah. Wasn't the best game we've seen from Ottawa's defense. No, because... And we literally saw... And I'm watching it, I'm thinking, okay, you know, position wasn't good. And then I saw a puck in, I was like, oh, look, there's another guy they're not covering right there. And even the first goal where Shabbat was just sort of standing there, and he said, oh, fuck, the puck's coming. He needed to try and make a move to try and stop it, but it was too late. Mm-hmm. And then... It didn't help that the line blender came out. Yeah. Yeah, it's... But... The team's just honestly not very good. No. One guy who did look good in this game for what I saw was Matt Duchesne. And like I said at the very beginning that he kept the puck into the zone to help Bobby Ryan get the goal. He had a couple of really good chances and that goal, oh, that was so good. Boy, I'm really going to miss him when he gets traded out of town, Tim. Honestly, yeah. The rest of the season is going to be really hard to watch, isn't it? Yep. Especially the next game. Yeah, but, you know, we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, Ottawa's offense, like you said, I thought it looked pretty decent. And they even clawed their way within a goal. So you got to give Ottawa a lot of that. But their defense looked brutal in this game. They left a guy open on three of the goals, like I said. And, yeah, it just didn't look like they were there, Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Honestly, I doubt they were. Nope. And, yeah, the Sens have just been, like, they didn't play that well. They're giving up a lot of quality chances. Although that that Duchesne goal was absolutely beautiful. Oh, I know. But, you know, you can also you can also say that Ottawa, you know, they'd come off how many days of being off, right? So there was their first game back. But still. The same coach used to say rest is a weapon. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm really not going to miss him when we don't re-sign him at the end of the summer. What are you going to do if they do? Tim, why are you going to bring your negativity onto the show? I don't know. I think it's a fun contingency. You have to think of contingencies. Tim, I'm going to move on to the next story because I'm not even going to comment on that. Red Wings versus Senators. This is a... Two to nothing, Red Wings victory. Red Wings goals are scored by Danny DeKaiser and Darren Helm. Shots were 35-21 for Ottawa. Detroit outplayed Ottawa for a majority of the game. The Red Wings played a tight checking game throughout, and it showed as Ottawa looked out of sorts for most of this game, but did have their moments of decent play in the third period. So I'm just going to comment on this one note I have, and it's basically Z, 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 dot, dot, dot. Man, this game was boring. Yeah, I'm glad I got to go watch the Red... Sorry, the Roughnecks instead of this shit. Like, it was completely and utterly uninspired. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I know that somebody on Twitter said that, you know, he feels 
bad for the people who actually paid to watch this game live. And he said, like, man, like, I'm so sorry to those fans. I had to watch this. Yeah, like, the team just real like, if this team wasn't poor, that'd be the co- the game that the coach gets fired. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that team was not prepared. They weren't doing anything, really. There was long periods of that game where the team just kind of fell asleep. And they made the Detroit Red Wings of 2018-2019 look like the Detroit Red Wings of 2002-2003. It mm, was embarrassing. I don't know about that. That team probably would have lit us up for like seven goals. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, Craig Anderson, 19 saves, a .905 save percentage. He was okay. You know, he, he made saves. Well, it's just... Yeah, both teams sucked major ass. It's just our team sucked, sucked a harder suck. Mm-hmm. And the one other note I just want to mention, Ryan Dezingle, I thought he was Ottawa's best player, created a number of scoring chances, but he hit the post a couple of times, and that was just like, oh, You know, because you could tell that he was having a good one. Uh, the Chuck Stone white line looked like they are having a decent night trying to get something going, but... Other than that, yeah, nobody really showed up. Although Thomas Shabbat had a couple of nice rushes, but other than that, yeah, he was the only—he was really the only defenseman that showed up. Absolutely, Tim. Yeah, it was embarrassing. Actually, I I liked the ice that uh, Rudolph Balser's got. He looked pretty good in limited action. Everyone else fucking sucked though. Yeah. It was also a weird off game for Mark Stone. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Actually, now they mentioned that Stone didn't have the grades to games. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't affect his trade. Well, no. We're hoping he gets signed. We're hoping he gets signed. Yeah. Now, before we go on to the close, and I know that you sent me this thread on Twitter from Andrea Gornos, who said, this is a no-friendly crowd at the season ticket holder event tonight. Lots of unhappy folk. Nick Rudowski wanted to hear it all. So you gotta so we gotta comment on this, Tim, because you can tell the season ticket holders are not happy nowadays with this. It's weird though, because it's not the stuff you'd expect them to be unhappy with, or perhaps all the season ticket holders that are left are the Can- the Canada crew. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like a lot of people weren't too happy with the well, a lot of people wanted or at least some of the more vocal season ticket holders want to keep the team in Canada. If you read deeper into that thread. Yeah, because there's a really deep thread here. And I will be the first to admit, I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing, but I sort of glanced over some of it. And yeah, from what I can tell, and you're correct, it does seem like there's a lot of people that want the sense to stay in Canada. And a lot of people reminded Nick that that's where a lot of the money was. Hmm. But I don't know. I feel like it's easier for people, even in Canada, to get into downtown than it is for people to get out of downtown to a sense game. Because mm-hmm. I actually I want to comment on this one because there was a tweet that says Nick indicated also a desire to target Gatineau more as a great pro hockey area, and he also emphasized that the downtown arena would happen if it made business sense. So I don't know. Like I don't see the team moving into. Gatineau because that's Quebec right you know granted it's only what 10-15 minutes away from Ottawa but I think still though I mean I think a lot of people would rather see a downtown arena especially if you're living in Ottawa well say here's another bit of perspective that I don't think like you kind of have to be from Ottawa to know this one okay Uh, one of the main bridges from West Gatineau let's go about a mile from so the main bridge so one of the main bridges from the west part of Gatineau, so like Aylmer, Oakaway, stuff like that, lets out about a mile from where the Le Breton Flats are. The Portage Bridge from kind of Ile de, Ile de Hull in central Gatineau lets out about a mile from uh, the from the Le Breton Flats on the east. So Le Breton Flats is geo- much closer to Gatineau than Canada. So a move to... So they wouldn't be considering moving to Gatineau. They'd stay in Ontario, but they'd still be much closer to Gatineau. Yeah, I'm not saying that they would move into Quebec, but, you know, people would maybe... Do you think people would get that impression if they say, 
built an arena in Gatineau instead of Le Breton Flats? I think people who aren't familiar with the Ottawa area would. But okay. I think people familiar with Ottawa would not. I think it's the O versus the Centurion thing. Ah, okay. Well, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make if you want to head into the close for another evening. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I loved recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlinepluggedsensecast. And because our bod Dave made the mention, we're on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m 91 Badger, and I'm at GreatWhiteGipster, gr 8 W-A-T-E, Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about some of the stuff that we talked about this evening, shoot us an email. ThirdLikePlugSensCast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim. So, we've got three games on the schedule. We've got round two of the Battle of Ontario on Wednesday in Toronto. We've also got a rematch versus the Anaheim Ducks in Ottawa on Thursday. And a date with Adam Young's team, the Winnipeg Jets, in Ottawa on Saturday morning. Have we really only played the Leafs once this season? Yeah, and that was the game where Shabbat scored two goals on him. Oh, right. Crazy, but still also, holy shit, I didn't realize. I know, it's really hard to believe that, eh, man? What a weird schedule, man. I know. And it'll be also great to hear that for next week, we're going to have a special edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast entitled, Third Line Plug is War. Ooh, that's coming back too. Nice. Yeah, buddy. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jensey. Go Sens, guys. Woo! So long, my time here is up. They're going home!